Welcome you to the official Titans podcast, better known as the OTP. My name is Mike Keith. As usual, Amy Wells is here. Hello, Mike. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing fine, thank you. Well, and look at, at our visitor. It is the Titans offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith. Well, thanks for having me on. How are you? Doing great. Is there anywhere, you, you'd probably rather be about anywhere than doing this. No, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, I've, I, this would be my second, uh, getting a... Becoming a regular on the podcast. Podcast. Yeah. That's well, true. this is a little different than the one that you did, uh, you know, a while back. That's it's a little different. It's we don't uh, we have a nice studio. We don't have a bus. Yeah, different. Definitely different environment. In it's here. a different it environment. Is. I would yes. say that's accurate. But the whole being interviewed process, not your favorite thing in the world. No, I don't dislike it. I just would rather just do my job, and you know, the, the players are the ones out there playing. I mean, they're the ones that deserve the credit i just it's just who i what i believe is that maybe your, it's my lineman background i was getting ready to say yeah. is that your inner offensive because you're an offensive correct. lineman at north carolina correct is that your inner offensive lineman probably yeah yeah that's just what i believe i mean the, the the credit goes to the players and they're the ones out there making plays so but within offensive linemen like the credit then goes to everybody else. So it trickles down to players, and then from them it's to, oh, the skill guys. Oh, we just block. Oh, we just hang out. Yeah. It's no, a it's humble a, bunch. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a great group of guys. I mean, the offensive line are usually best guys on but the But when you played, where the, I mean, I know some places the offensive line, there are rules that if you get interviewed, you get fined. If you say certain things, you get fined. Sure. If you, I mean, the, yeah, the, you wear sleeves, you get fined. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a tough group. Yeah. But that – it kind of makes up the whole ethos of the offensive line. It depends on where you go, but yeah, it's it, that 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 goes back to my background. I just you know everybody's different. I just but I prefer it that way. But offensive linemen often make really good coaches, and often make really good play callers. We have seen that historically in college and pros over the years. From a football standpoint, why do you believe that having had the experience of playing that position? often translates to coaches who are successful, uh, not not only being head coaches, but calling plays. Why does that work so well? Well, I mean, first off, I haven't done anything well, yet. I'm not so, saying, so, but uh, you, you know, know I hope to have the, yeah. that kind of success. But, you know, maybe it goes back to when you're, when you're in those positions and, you know, everybody says it takes all 11 or teamwork matters, but it truly matters at the offensive line. And your program at a young age, that whether you're at center, guard, or tackle, that – you're you're all working together, and I think you see it from that perspective. Where sometimes, if you get enamored with one position, you only see it through one set of eyes or a certain lens. Maybe it's a quarterback position, which a lot of guys come from, or the receiver position. So that's maybe that has something to do with it. Just where you're coming from, what you're looking for, and your background of working with the other four guys on the offensive line. Are you getting used to seeing the offense with a wider lens right now as a coordinator as opposed to just being a position coach? Sure. Because I think if you're a good position coach, you're focused on your guys. You know, sometimes and you don't want to be a position coach and be the Monday morning quarterback. Like, you better make sure your guys are – that the position you're working with is, is on top of stuff. And I think – yeah, I, mean, I think we're all, you know, as humans, like I got to catch myself sometimes, like stop looking at the tight ends. Like, <laughs> like I tell myself that sometimes. It's hard. It's, you know, it's, there's old habits are hard to break. Absolutely. Being the tight end coach does prepare you in the NFL for this job because 
that guy is involved not only in the passing game but in the running game. So you you have the lens of both sides of, of what the offense is trying to do. True? True, absolutely. And you get to work with everybody. So when you make these transitions, it, you have there's a familiarity with – Worked plenty of drills with the tackles. You know, you're in all the pass game installs, so you know the players, and that you spend time with both. So it's definitely it's a unique position. You've had the entirety of spring ball now, for the most part, to kind of get in your groove as an offensive coordinator. What's been the most challenging part? No, there's you know, I, I would say challenge. You know, you try to embrace all the stuff that comes with it. It's always the unknown. You prepare yourself for hey. Make sure I have this ready or th- this happens, and you're constantly going through it. And so it's it's fun. I mean, you go there and try to every day to evaluate myself and what what do we need to do, what do we need to fix, what do we need to add, or vice versa. So it's been a great challenge, and I, I enjoy it. I mean, it makes coming to work fun every day. Is it vastly different than what you were doing before when you had the tight end office? Yeah, yeah. I mean, where you're – it's – like every step, you know, when you're going through stuff and you take on a new job in any industry, you know, there's things that you prepare yourself for. You think it's this is what's gonna what it's gonna be like, and until you're actually sitting in those spots, you don't you don't know until it, you know things that come up that you're dealing with at that position. And it definitely is you got to take a whole approach that you're all, all the eleven guys. I mean, you, when you're looking at the tight ends, you're looking at the you know one, two, three guys on the field that are there. And the, but now it's everybody, whether it's the quarterback, the receivers, the running backs, the tight ends. You know, you're focused on everybody now. Have you heard that when Delaney Walker was here with us, he said he expects to catch 200 passes in your offense now? He did it's say a great that. goal to set. It, it, but he, he, <laughs> he expects you because, I mean, he totally is going with the theory <laughs> mm-hmm. that you were his guy before, that you were together, and that now he's going to get the ball like 20 times a game. <laughs> if he gets open that many times, he'll get 20 balls. <laughs> <laughs> but coaching Delaney Walker, that's got to be something. Delaney's a very unique football player you know he's he's got a different you know everybody's story is unique but Delaney's had a unbelievable career and the whole trajectory of it you know he gets taken in the sixth round with converted wide receiver he's there with Vernon Davis who was a high first round pick he has a lot of success and Delaney played a lot of different spots which helped him and then we got him here in 2013 and he transitioned into a uh, primary third down guy when we replaced Jared Cook on top of all the other stuff he was doing on first and second down and his role grew and it just showed that before, and I, I can't remember the exact number, he was in the 20s what his season career high was. Right. And then we saw what he did as he as he grew into the role, that, and that was, what, year eight when we signed him? It's amazing that he has now been here. This is year right. seven with the Titans. He's been here as long as he was in San Francisco. Correct. I can't recall a player who had been in the league for seven years who became a star like in year 10. That, I mean, that just doesn't happen. Right. Yeah, and that's a credit to him and then, and then the opportunity. And that's a lot of things you look at people and conventional wisdom will say, well, this is what this guy is because for seven years he's never caught more than 20-some-odd balls in a season. And then he comes here and he gets a new role, he embraces it, he runs with it, and then you saw where he took it. So it just shows that you can make improvement in the middle part of your career. It's not just because it's year three or four, that's who that guy's going to be. I mean, it's a very unique opportunity that, and situation that he, he was in. And a lot of it, too, going back to what he did in San Fran, it translated over just the way how he saw things. He did so many different jobs in those offenses. You know, tight ends are such an interesting position because they have to have such a versatile skill set. They have to do so many different things within an offense. 
What do you enjoy the most about being able to work with those players? I know you're working with everybody now, but you have a lot of experience coaching tight ends. What did you enjoy the most working with players that are so versatile like that? Yeah, they, they were. It goes back to you're involved in everything, so you 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 got to ask guys to to do some of the stuff that you ask tackles to do, and you got to ask them to do some of the stuff the wide receivers to do, and then even in some we did with Luke Stocker, we asked him to do stuff that the backs did in protection and and for coming up in the backfield and blocking. So you're involved in so many different things. It takes a unique person and unique skill set to do that. So that was just a great appreciation for what those guys can do and being versatile players. What's the key to this offense improving the or, to, or the offense looking the way you want it to look in 2019? Well, I, I think the, the, the biggest key in, is, honestly, is just focusing on day-to-day. I think sometimes you get caught up so far ahead of it, like, here, we've got to be – We've got to look like this by week five. I think that this thing is involved, and you're focused on day-to-day improvement. It'll get, and it, but part of that is making sure everybody understands the vision. You're clear about all the coaches about what we're trying to accomplish, what we want to look like, and then to build that thing day after day after day instead of just saying thing magically or just because I said these words in front of the the offense, we're going to look like that week five. It's implementation of it and staying on top of it and evaluating it day by day. Do you have a plan in the preseason for how you're going to call games in terms of trying to prepare yourself for the regular season opener in Cleveland? Yeah, I just think it's part of the, the process. I mean, the, the good news is, and I know, you know this is a hot topic between preseasons and what people's feelings are in preseason, but the good news is we got four of them, and right. it's a great opportunity to get you know good practice reps, no different than a practice when we have certain periods where we call it. It's just part of the, the process and the step to it. When we go through practice, what are you doing? Are there specific drills? Are there specific ways that you can get some of that practice, some of those reps when it comes to play calling and figuring out kind of that rhythm for you? Yeah, absolutely. We've done it, and, and we did it, uh, you know, the last couple of weeks in OTAs, and it definitely helps. You, you know, what you have a plan of what you want to do, and, and, and it helps you go to the next play and what you want to call and, and all that stuff. Yeah, it's been great. Is it as much fun as you thought it would be? Yeah, I mean, I em- embrace it. I mean, again, if you guys follow up and ask me after a couple of weeks, if <laughs> yeah, I'll give you, maybe it'll be a different answer, but I hope so. Yeah. Well, I but what I, I guess what I mean by that is we, and, and Amy and I talked about it when when Matt got Green Bay. We mm-hmm. were we were just elated for Matt. I mean, golly, what an opportunity! And, sure. Uh, we we thought the world of Matt Lafleur. Both of us did, and got to spend a lot of time with him. And our first thought is. Arthur, mm-hmm. you know, we, we hoped that, and, and people in the building hoped that you would be the next guy because we had seen you develop and come through all this. But the honest question, I asked Amy this, or you might have asked me this, mm-hmm. does Arthur want it? Yeah, did, did yeah you, absolutely. Did, did, you, did you want the opportunity? And clearly you did, mm-hmm. and that's why, I'm, that's why when I ask the question if you're enjoying it, because for you to go after it shows you had that passion to take on more responsibility and you felt like it was your time and and that that's a you know sometimes you get into a job you go oh, wasn't what I thought it was going to be yeah I mean there's a lot of things that went into that and then, and just the going through this year after year I've been obviously I've been fortunate to be here as long as I have but I think a lot of times you got to remind yourself when you're going through this and you know the number of years it did the quality control or the GA or basically did an analyst job at Ole Miss 
is not get frustrated because there's some guys that everybody's past difference. You see guys that, you know, they get a shot at 27 and they're like, hey, this guy's the youngest, whatever. And you're like, well, I, I think I could do that job. But, and then you realize that year after year, like there's always, always an opportunity to, to learn more and get better. Instead of having the approach where like, all right, well, somebody else is doing this. I should be here in my career is just kind of to stay the same course it is, is, all right, here's the, the job opportunity I have. Here's what, and I, I've been really fortunate to work with a lot of really good coaches in the NFL and a lot of vast backgrounds. So it allowed me to see things from a lot of different angles. So I wasn't in just one system. But, and then finally, you know, things broke the, the right way for me and the opportunity. And thankfully, Coach Rabel, you know, decided that this is the way we wanted to go. And so it was a, it's a heck of an opportunity for us. But yeah, I think the going back to it was not getting frustrated and having to remind yourself, like, Look, and you got a job in the NFL. Like, who cares? Like, every year you're getting there is is a great blessing. And I think people lose sight of that, and then they start trying to promote themselves or, oh, I need this or that. And it's like, there's some really good coaches in high school and community colleges or small colleges or major colleges that never get a chance. Things don't break their way, but they're really good coaches. You've worked very hard to get to where you are right now. You mentioned it just a second ago, all of the different positions that you've worked and the way that you've climbed the ladder. Was there ever a point where you were like, forget it, I'm done with this? Because you've really got to grind as a coach and especially at in some of those quality control positions and those analyst positions and things like that. You're you working want it. hard. Was sure. there ever a time where you were like, this is not worth it? No way. <laughs> no, I mean, I... I be lying if I said it wouldn't frustrate at times. Definitely frustrating, but just like a lot of things, it you know this is a great job, and you know there are certain sacrifices you're going to make when you get in it. But you got to know when you're getting into this, you got to know that you're going to be judged is what you want. The worst thing you do is people get in these jobs and they, it's a woe is me, like you know, uh, you know I shouldn't be criticized. Like hey, look, at some point when you're in this thing, and, you know, I, and I think there was a quote with Brad Stevens. He said, usually it doesn't it doesn't end well for the coaches. And you got to know that. It's like you appreciate the time you're here, but to sit there and, and be shocked that you're going to get criticized or it may not end the way you want for you, like don't get in this profession. Like you want to, we all have big goals, and I hope to have a great career coaching. But I'd be foolish to sit here and say that, yeah, at some point things may not go your way and you just deal with it. But know that when you're getting into it and don't act like a victim because you got criticized or whatever. I think that people lose sight of that. Did you know – Coaching is what you wanted to do when you were at Carolina? Yeah, I did. By then I did, for sure. Did you know NFL coaching is what you wanted no. to do? No, wanted to be a college coach. Really? Huh. Yeah. How did the NFL sort of become the area you thought – I mean, I know opportunities were there, but but clearly you you sort of decide a path to, right. to a certain extent and it, because it is quite different than the college path. Yeah, it's very different. Yeah. Uh, you know, I loved college football. I still love college football. But when I got the opportunity in Washington, it was probably that group of coaches I was with that changed my whole mindset. It was a completely different – they're completely different jobs. And who are you talking about? I'm talking about, uh, you know, starting with Joe Gibbs and then Greg Williams. And Greg Blosh, who was a really good coach, who became the coordinator of second year. He was an unbelievable football coach, an unbelievable man, and great leader. Uh, he was awesome. Jerry Gray, uh, Steve Jackson, Kirk Agavadati, that staff, those guys, like, it was a great staff, especially in 07. And the way they worked together, it was just different. It was just, the whole atmosphere was different than what I had experienced in college. Even going back to what I experienced at Ole Miss. They're different jobs. Because you were part of the playoff staff they had, right? Correct. That was in 2007, yeah. We went up to Seattle. 
still the loudest I think I've ever heard an NFL stadium. <laughs> and so we watched that game because we were in San Diego to play the Chargers, and I, I'll never forget watching that staff. And I mean, that was like an all-star staff Joe Gibbs put together. Yeah, no, I think they uh, they, they was they spent was a so few many, bucks on that staff. They too. did, yeah. <laughs> but it was really cool to be around some of those guys: Joe Bugle, uh, Rennie Simmons, Don Bro, Jack Burns. I mean, you had a who's who was. was around the NFL in the late 70s, 80s, you know, and early 90s, and they had some great stories. And it, getting to know those guys and hearing those guys talk about different game plans, hey, this is what we had to do against Lawrence Taylor. I mean, it was awesome. You know, it was – I was in heaven, you know, getting to listen to those guys and being around it. And that was a crazy season in itself in 2007, all the stuff that happened that year, coming back and then making the playoffs. So, so the bottom line at that point, you're around those dudes. You basically say, man, I – I want to be a pro guy. I like, I like the, the, the pro that I've gotten baptized into this. This is where I want to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was definitely that year and those guys, being around those guys, I said, this is definitely what I want to do. So. What's the proudest moment of your coaching career so far? I don't – you know, that's a, that's a tough question to me. I, 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 there's, we've, we've had a lot of great moments here. There's been a lot of cool moments to be a part of um, – I, I wouldn't be able to put it to one. It's, it's almost like, hey, what's your, who's your favorite kid? You know. Uh, well, we were going to ask you that, that next. Was next. So. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was next. <laughs> so that's a no on both of them. I've been fortunate. Even since I've been in Tennessee, I've been around a lot, of, a lot of great players. And then when I got moved in the tight end role, role, we've had a lot of good players in there, and guys have done a lot of great things, which is a credit to them. So I, you know, I don't know if there's one proud moment. We've had some really cool moments, especially the last couple of years. So if we have some more – build off that so yeah i mean there were some sort of crazy times too i mean the, sure i mean 2011 your first year here uh the you know the whole lockout thing and right everything that went on with it i mean your first off season i guess after you come in and, and get hired uh i mean that had to be bizarre it was it was bizarre but there was a lot of things that proved to you you know insulation and what what really is necessary, even looking back to how you're going through this spring that you learned from that. I mean, we didn't, we didn't see the guys until training camp. Right. And we ended up going nine and seven, and there's some games there that really bother you, the one at Indy. Oh. That one, yeah, you don't, you don't forget them. No. Mm-hmm. You know, you have opportunities like that. Um, so, yeah, no, there, there's a lot of lessons that were learned that hopefully the longer I'm in this, you carry it over. So. As you're watching the team take shape now throughout spring ball and everything like that, what are you the most excited about going into 2019? I'm just excited to see what, as a team, or where we we go. Uh, you know, it's fun. I mean, you start thinking about the season and training camp. Like, sure, we'll we'll enjoy summer right now, but the, the, it'll be fun. I mean, I imagine the atmosphere in Cleveland will be pretty pretty wild week one. Just you know, stuff like that when you start looking at the schedule and. Here's where the matchups are, and you start getting excited. And then I think if you start losing that excitement, it may be fine, time to find another job. So, Is there part of you that, that thinks it's going to be a big advantage, particularly early in the season, that there is no book on you? I don't know. I mean, that could go one of two ways. You know? <laughs> but I'm talking about for, sure. for like, Cleveland, for Indy, for you know the, the Falcons, for Jacksonville, that first month of the season. I mean, they don't know Arthur Smith. I well, mean, they don't know Arthur we'll, Smith as a play caller. There's no, there's no rhyme or reason. To, I mean, you could, there's a lot of. I mean, they know who you are, and they know you've been there. And yeah, I mean, you hope to 
to take advantage of that. But there's, you know, the, the, on the flip side of it, there's some guys that we're gonna we're gonna go against uh, players and coaches. They got a lot of experience, so it can work, you know, one or two ways. There's there's certain things that yeah they won't know, but there's there's some really good coordinators in this league. So you take nothing for granted. Correct. I mean that's the that's the bottom line is. It's it's about planning and being ready to make adjustment, and this league is so much about adjustment. I mean, how many sure. times do you see a team go down the field on the first possession, score a touchdown, and that's the only points they score the whole right. game mm-hmm. because the the opponent uh, adjusts so quickly. To me, it's the biggest difference in the college game and the pro game because you've got the grown men who don't have the twenty hour rule. Right. You you can make a lot of adjustments in the pro game within the game, whereas in the college game it's hard to do. So being ready to make those adjustments as the play caller, is that one of the top challenges that you expect to have? Yeah, and it's one of the challenges you embrace and the things that you try to plan out ahead of time. All right, well if here's if they're gonna do this, like what is our answer for this? Like those are stuff you that I've tried to put a lot of thought in and will continue to put a lot of thought in. It's not going to be just how, hey, you know, here's the first three plays of the game and that's what it's going to be all, all game. We know that. Uh, you, you know, you try to plan to have a good idea, but you got to be ready to, to come back with an adjustment. And that's it, that'll be a fun challenge for us as an offense. And definitely we'll, that's the great thing about the NFL from week to week. That's the chess match, Mike Key. I know it That's is. That's the best part Amy of the Wells. sport. I'm aware of that, yes. <laughs> Being able to, we talked a lot about this early, early, but now that you've had some time to really work with the guys and um, get your feet wet with some of them in your role, is there something to the consistency thing that we've kind of been talking about since you were hired? Well, it, it, it helps. And, you know, talked about this a couple times, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but it does help with the familiarity of just terms and what you're calling things and you know how how we're going to operate going into it. there's definitely familiarity we've seen a couple changes here and then and some have been more drastic than others and and definitely it just it helps you start focusing on the on the details of, of route running the actual blocks and when guys aren't sitting there trying to memorize certain calls and, hey what are we going to call this what are we calling this formation what are we calling this combination uh so that that definitely helps it helps you get started quicker in the spring do you have to fight changing things and saying mm, I don't want to change too much yeah but you know going back to what we were talking about the lockout earlier right one of the one of the best things Jerry Gray did we had called things a certain way in Washington and so you know to about things go full circle well Jerry had been here in the late 90s with Greg and 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 Jim Schwartz and those guys and then obviously Greg goes to Buffalo Jerry goes to Buffalo Schwartz is the head is the uh, defensive coordinator and as things evolved from him and then Chuck Cecil took over. So we come in after that lockout year, and we knew it was going to be short. So instead of just overhauling everything, we knew what we wanted to call it. Here's how we called it in Washington. Here's what they were calling it. Jerry kind of kept in the parameters. So what we were going to call cover two, it didn't matter. Whether we were going to call it 52, we were going to call it gold, it didn't matter. Like, here's what, we're, here's what they had called it, so we could speed up learning. Now there's some techniques we would have changed, and we tweaked some of the fronts. We, we tweaked a lot of things, but we did it within the parameters of not, it wasn't such a foreign language. They didn't walk in there and be like, all right, well, I knew English and Spanish, and now all of a sudden you guys put a bunch of Latin in front of me. So that, that was a lot of good lessons to be learned that it helped me turn this transition as well. Like, Interesting. Yeah. And that's the hardest part with switching a coordinator, correct? I mean, it's learning that coordinator's language and learning what things are called. It's not necessarily new techniques or new skills. It's learning the language of it. That's the first part. And then there's always a way, like, you know, you go in there, 
people run similar concepts, but they may teach it completely different. And that's the one thing that you've always got to be careful for is guys go over there and, and the way the stuff's covered is like, well, you know, he, he didn't read it the right way. Well, you have no idea, like, what they're asking. Like, we could we could sit here and how we teach it in Tennessee may be different what Jacksonville, Indy, or Houston does. So even when you're watching film, like, you got a pretty good idea just so you know the concept, but they may have tweaked something on it. So that'd be pretty arrogant to sit here and be like, oh, he missed that read. I know exactly where that read should go. And that may not, not necessarily be the case. Um, but it's like I said, it's been it's been fun so far. I mean, I'm enjoying it. It's a teaching staff. It's a staff of a lot of guys of the same age. And in in your viewpoint, I mean, you're you're a, a returning guy. Certainly, your two offensive line coaches are back. Your quarterback coach is back. Your running back coach is back. Your wide receiver coach is back. Sure, it's got to be huge. I was watching you on the practice field during one of the days, and. You were having a, a detailed conversation with some of the coaches, and it was very enthusiastic. We're going to do this, and they were nodding in agreement. And it was like, okay, th- I mean, these guys have clearly worked together before. Sure, it's like anything in any uh, working relationship. When you're, whether you're in your business or we're out there, the, the more you're with somebody, the more familiar. It just makes things easier when you're making adjustment. You understand exactly what you're talking about, and a lot of that's on you. So. You know, during a lot of these transitions, if you have a completely new staff and nobody's worked together before, that, that definitely can be a transition, just like the players when you're trying to change all these languages. And it goes back to this. Like, I like some guys, I think, get in there and they got an ego. They just want to change it because they're saying, oh, this is my this. This mm-hmm. is my – like, get over yourself. Like, I, it, it, it makes sense for the Tennessee Titans and what we want to be in 2019 in this offense. That's what we're going to do. I could care less what we called it. Like, we'll have a system and a rhyme and a reason. And it's thought out, but to argue over something that really doesn't matter, what you might want to call a certain route, the players know it that way, and it makes sense to what you're doing, call it that. You just want to have more points than the Cleveland Browns Absolutely. <laughs> at 4 o'clock Eastern time on uh, September 8th. We're just trying to win the game. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you feel like we now have such a solid foundation on this football team that we can really start to build the house a little bit after last year? Yeah, you know – it, it's there's that answer to two questions. It definitely helps. There is a foundation that, that Coach Rabel set. But year to year and sometimes week to week, things change so different. I mean, you go into last year and just look at the tight end position and what we thought going in, and that, that thing changed in an in a instant after the Miami game. And then even late in the year, I mean, Michael Pruitt wasn't in training camp with us. He wasn't on our roster, and he came in week two. He played a few snaps that week he got here. And then his role evolved. You know, you just got to be ready to, to adapt and to change. Uh, so just knowing that – and it goes back to this, and you see this in pro sports all the time, just because somebody had success the year before doesn't guarantee anything the next year. And it's like, hey, this team should be really good. Everybody's back. Well, you really just got have to start over. But the foundation in terms of how things are set up, knowing what the expectations are, that helps. But just knowing that year to year, I mean, things can be – or week to week, they can be drastically different. This is so important to you, and, and as we've watched you coach for eight years, we see that what you put into it is so great. Your family is more important, though, and what you put into them sure. is is a big deal. How, how have you worked so well to balance all of that during your time as a coach and, and continue to do so? Yeah, I mean, just like trying to get better as a coach, I'm trying to get better as a husband and a father as well you know and we do spend a lot of time like I said and then big credit goes to my wife you know like you'd have to ask you know it'd be interesting to hear her answer on that (laughs) depending on what 
when it is and what, what day, day it is, is. What day it is. <laughs> and what part We've of the uh, season. Yeah, but but, but no, I mean, but clearly, I think your success in that area is you prioritize it. We've always seen that out of you. We, yeah, I tried to. I mean, sure. And there's certain things, you know, I like. All right, I want to make sure my kids, you know, they they see their dad. I mean, I don't want to. It's a fine balance. Like this is extremely competitive. We're going to spend a lot of time. You you got to make sure you have the right. Goes back. I mean, I mean this. It's a credit to my wife. You know, it'd be hard to do this job if you didn't have the right family structure at home, because it can make it really difficult. She was excited for you to be the offensive coordinator. I'm guessing. Sure. Yeah. You know, she's very excited because th- when when you're doing a good job with that, your your significant other clearly has to have the investment you do for Correct. it to be successful, not only here but but also at home, right? Yeah, no, I mean, she's she's uh, my toughest critic in a good way. So. <laughs> what does she think? Does she think we should throw more? <laughs> her she and Delaney Walker. 40, 40, yeah. uh, 40 carries for Derrick Henry? Is yeah, that I'm sure she, she'll give me her opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, Eddie George has said in here before that he thinks Derrick Henry ought to get it like 400 times. <laughs> like an Eddie George 1999 season with 403 carries. So. That's a lot of carries. That's, that's a lot of that's, carries. That's, that's impressive. Yeah. That was cool. They they retired Eddie's number. It's, oh, it's been awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, for a guy who grew up in this state and who yeah, followed. No, I, no, it's it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. And then a lot of times you look up there, and obviously having to work with, uh, having worked with Bruce and Munch, you know, those are guys I looked up to. I mean, everybody, if you played offensive line, you knew who Bruce Matthews was. But that's cool. I'm mean, I, I'm interested to see those names up there, or the really the jerseys are retired. So. Absolutely. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be a really good time. But we're also going to beat the Colts that day. That'll, that'll work. it now. That'll work. I'm yep. making no prediction. No, no, no. <laughs> You're not going to give me on record making you a prediction make, one way or the other. That's okay. <laughs> we don't expect you to. And we, we thank you for taking time with us to kind of answer the questions that I know you've been asked 84 times because your feeling is you want to show people what you can do and then there's something to talk about. But you also sure. understand why people are so interested because this is a good football team. I mean, you're getting a you're getting a good group of guys here. It's yeah, know. it's 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 an unbelievable opportunity. Uh, and then go back to that. I mean, I not to make more of it than what it is. Like everybody's got a job to do, and it, and it's and it's awesome. And it goes back to like I like I know what I signed up for. Sure. Mm-hmm. And you're in this role, and it's not to be some kind of curmudgeon like thinking I'm you know Popovich or somebody you know that's going <laughs> to act that way. I don't, I don't think that one one bit. I just you'd rather. Your work speak for yourself, sure. but understand that everybody's got a job to do. You guys have a job to do. The media has a job to do. And the part of the reason, you know, you're allowed to do this and there's so much excitement is because of the way it's covered and fans want it. And you can't lose sight of that. I mean, you're pretty much an inter- entertainment business. We are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and and so and people, it's, you know, it's a, it's a good thing. And I guess in some ways a bad thing that people are so invested in the NFL and in this football team and the way people love football in this region, which you certainly know sure. very well. We take we take Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays <laughs> seriously around here. Yeah, uh, and, and you got to have the fans. Otherwise, you're, you know, you're just playing on a grass field and, you know, nobody cares. You want you people gotta, to care. But you got to love Popovich, though, don't you? I love Popovich. I do, too. <laughs> I, I, I just don't want to think, like, I, I think, I, I guess when I'm going with that, like, I don't want to get this, like, narrative that, oh, like, I hate talking. I, I, I'd rather not talk. If you know to let the work show, I, just, I, I guess I don't want to come off as some kind of self promoter, but Popovich is unbelievable. He's yeah, I've read a ton about him, and, and I, w- I enjoy watching the Spurs. Yeah, I, I think 
the way he's harassed Doris Burks over the years and the way he used to harass Craig Sager on the uh, the in-game interviews, having done in-game interviews, oh, they can go, it can mm-hmm. go way wrong, trust me. If you get one word wrong, it can be an, mm-hmm. uh, an utter disaster. But I get the impression that if you're part of Popovich's group with the Spurs, you're part of really something special. He must be a very special human being yeah, right. along with a teacher and a coach because those guys are so loyal to him. Look at the consistency they've oh. had. You know, and that's, you know, you, sure, you need great players. There's no no doubt about it. And there's been a lot of guys that have – you're going to have to have great players. And you're going to – but it, it's when it all comes together. You've got really good coach, coaching with really good players, and he has a culture, and he set it down there. And clearly, like – that's who he is. Like he's never tried to be something that. But if somebody gets, and that, that happens sometimes, people get a job that are like this or, or a head job, and they think they got to act a certain way. Just be yourself. Uh, but yeah, I've got so much respect for them. I mean, look what Kawhi Leonard. Like, oh, it's like a it's like a running joke, but you know, like he's like a robot now. I saw some video of him. Like, there was like an interview, I think, when he was in college, and it was like, <laughs> hey, this guy's really personal. Now you talk to him, it's like it is like talking to a robot <laughs> but he's unbelievable you watch those guys play and, and watch that game the other night and what those guys did in clutch situations both teams it was awesome it's good stuff mm-hmm. Arthur Smith good stuff and we wish you and your family nothing but the best and uh, I think when we get back here to work in just a few weeks we, we can't wait to watch training camp and the preseason and, and see how it all unfolds yeah no, it'll be it, it'll be fun and hopefully you know we give the fans something to, to cheer about oh I don't think there's any doubt that's Yeah, I think happen. we'll be. We're I think we'll be right. good on that front. All right. yeah. <laughs> for Arthur Smith and Amy Wells, I'm Mike Keith. We thank you for listening to the OTP.